0: Welcome to Joe's Weather World, your only weather podcast dedicated to Kansas City. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Joe's Weather World, a podcast dedicated to all things weather and climate and science-related, whether it affects Kansas City or really anywhere in the region, the world, whatever. We've tackled a lot of topics over the last... uh, Several months on the podcast. Today, we've got a guest, and my guest for today is Sarah Croak. Sarah and I have known each other for how long, Sarah? How many years you've been here? 25, Joe? 25-ish years. 25. 25 25-ish years. And um, we're going to touch on a few things with her. Uh, one of which is a company that she owns, a company called Whether or Not based right here in Kansas City, and we're going to get into that, all right? But before we get into all of that, uh, the name Sarah Crook may uh, spark a memory for some of you, some of the listeners, especially if you're, shall we say, our age?
1: Yes. Yes,
0: yes, if you're our age. Uh, Because way back in the day, here in Kansas City, Sarah Croak used to work for. Channel Nine. Channel Nine. What did you do at Channel Nine, Sarah? Weekend weather. Weekend weather. And
1: nine down to Earth. Back in the day where you took the channel and you had nine on your side, nine down to earth. Oh, funny. Remember all of those segments that they had reporters do. So I was doing weekend weather. okay. And then, you know, fill in for the chief meteorologist. Okay. And to have two, that was all you had back in the day, because there were no morning shows, noon shows, or any of that jazz back then. And you did a a once-a-week story.
0: Gotcha. So, from a time standpoint, what what spectrum of time are we looking 8485 okay so that's when i was just starting out back in illinois back after school okay so uh, back in 8485 and i took sarah around uh, the weather center and the studio and the control control room a little before this podcast just to kind of give her a feel of the station and stuff like that and uh, sarah was well, well you know this is changed and this isn't ch-. it really is amazing how The field of weather on a television side standpoint has changed from back in, from your days and back when I started.
1: When I was in Chattanooga, Mm -hmm. we didn't even have chroma key. I brought them chroma key.
0: Wow, the green wall. The
1: green wall, which meant I no longer could take my sun, my cloud, and my lightning (laughs) that was magnetic (laughs) and flip it up on the chart in the middle of a live broadcast. When
0: I first started, uh, so I'm dating myself back in 84... Uh, And there's some YouTube video out there of that historic day, by the way. Um, I had a buddy of mine, one of my floor mates in college, who was uh, artist, or artistee, he's now a doctor. And uh, he would uh, help me out and cut out um, black construction paper clouds and white construction paper clouds and yellow construction paper suns. And I would put double-sided tape on there and slap it up on the map, and boom, you had yourself a weatherman.
1: When I was interning with the then CBS affiliate in Boston, which okay. is how I got started, the chief meteorologist still there, Her- uh, Harvey Leonard, oh, yeah. my weather mentor, That's how I. that's why I'm in the biz. Mm-hmm. And he had a he had maps a local you know regional and a national and he would draw on those maps and bring them down to the art department. When I went to Chattanooga, I got them to do something similar, and we took those maps, I drew on those maps, and then I brought them into ENG, into engineering, where they put them on a camera and put them on a tape, and they fed every, remember that? (laughs) And, And you'd have to hand them the stack of tapes, and then you would go, and as soon as you got the cue from the throw from your anchor, you went over to the weather map and you just prayed that the stack of tapes was still in the same order and And that they were even there.
0: I remember those days. That's right. That's hilarious. See, now the hair on the back of my head is (laughs) is standing up a little bit. Okay. So uh, we'll... That's not why I brought her here, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's just kind of fun to go through memory lane. All right, so when I ever uh, bring a guest in who is connected to weather, I always like to ask as my kind of first question: What got you into weather? Was it childhood thing? Was it kind of growing up into it? What 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 was the spark? If, for lack of a better phrase,
1: when I was in college. Okay. I took what was called an intro to geography. Keep in mind, back then, there was no environmental science, earth science. They now call it an environmental earth science degree. Back in the day, that's what geography was where I went for my undergraduate. And this intro class was a smorgasbord. Oceanography, meteorology, geology, and then population. I grew up in the inner city of Boston. I thought meat came from a butcher, water came from a tap. I was fascinated. We even did our geology field trips by going up to Acadia National Park, Bar Harbor, Maine, Brilliant. down to Cape Cod, out to the Hudson Valley by West Point for glacial geology. My vacations are still often determined by geology. Nice. I digress the more I did of that, the more I loved it. I came out, I knew a little of everything, not a lot of anything. And there was no environmental science. I mean, there was one Times Beach, one Love Canal. I could not give myself away as a free intern anywhere on the I-95 corridor. Mm -hmm. I got accepted to Bowling Bowling Green State University in Ohio. And they said, if you teach the undergrads, meteorology, we'll pick up the tab for your master's, meaning I was a graduate assistant and there was a real meteorology professor, but I taught all of the labs. I said, fantastic. So they gave me the book on Thursday. I was teaching on Monday, and the very first class I taught had juniors and senior aerodynamics majors who were way smarter than me. I eventually, of course, the first semester, you stay one one week ahead. And I eventually learned that the key was teach some of the kids that were the aerodynamics majors, and they helped me teach everybody else.
0: So for you, you kind of fell into it as a late bloomer, shall we say, right?
1: Truly a late bloomer. Interesting. The storm that captured me into it was the blizzard of 78. I remember that storm. And the key to that storm was that if you ever look at New England, you look at Massachusetts and they had four lane and six lane, at least four lane highways back then. People got caught in the middle of it and they left all of their vehicles in the, on the middle of the Mass Pike, uh, which is I-90, 95, 93, all the major, imagine 35, 635, 435, 69, having a whole parking lot of vehicles. I was in school, and the two notable things were, number one, you it You were
0: in school- College. College, for the blizzard. No, for the blizzard. blizzard. is happening, you're in school.
1: We're in school. Okay. They then shut the entire state down for an entire week. I mean, the National Guard had to come in and move all of that out and rescue people, et cetera. And not to mention uh, trying to get the choppers in for the people along the coast, et cetera. What happened, uh, two things. Number one, it became my highest... GPA semester because we already had the syllabus. We'd already met at least once. We knew what they wanted out of us. So I would sleep until just before the breakfast cafeteria closed, get that, I would go to the library, get what I needed, go to the study hall, spend four hours. I sound like I'm a real geek. Nobody else did it. I got way ahead. Then, of course, I go upstairs, watch General Hospital, party all night, and then do it all over again for a week. So I was way ahead. So that was my part of it. The cool part, though, of the real storm, friends of mine who were the dean and residence hall director were in – the residence hall next to mine. And, of course, they're stranded. And the dean looks out the window and says, I think I see our students jumping out of the fourth story of Russell Towers.
0: <laughs> nice with the drifts.
1: And that's because of we'll the assume, drifts. We'll assume it was
0: because of the drifts. It was because of the drifts.
1: And then when they ever said that nobody you owes know, a $500 fine, it's 1978, big money, um, if anybody got caught out driving, and they discovered that no, you could not get kegs delivered, it was a real sad moment.
0: It's 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 funny because I have uh, the same. Now I would have been a junior in high school, and my dad was a doctor. And if it's the same storm that I'm thinking, and I think it is, it may for us it may have occurred on a it happened, I think, on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I grew up just around the New York City area. And my dad had Thursday off. So uh, he would just be down in the basement, and he smoked a pipe and uh, had the fire going. And school, we had school that day, but they let us out early. Um, and when you think about, you know, we're in school in a blizzard. <laughs> and, you know, the kids today won't go to school if there's an inch of snow on the ground. So, um Anyway, so they let us out early. The buses drop us off. I'm walking home in the blizzard. And that's just what we did back then. I think a lot of parents oh, yeah. understand that. Yeah. So, anyway, so one of my indelible memories still to this day is walking downstairs into the basement and smelling my dad's pipe on that particular day. Oh, wow. Isn't that weird? So, and it was the same storm, it was the same blizzard. And we were, and I was big into weather and interning and, and stuff like that for weather and so it's just funny how certain weather events are ingrained in in the general population but especially for weather people it seems like there's there's always a certain event or something that triggers a memory really strong
1: Exactly, and it doesn't have to be on the maps on the satellite, it's actually something that somebody says to you, or as you said, the smell of the pipe, etc. And um, those are those things are indelible. We had this at uh, Bowling Green, I also ran the weather center, they actually had. Um, What today you see out at National Weather Service offices and airports, which is the actual observation uh, cabinet, so to speak, the white cabinet, six Mm -hmm. feet up uh, and all of those kinds of and all of those kinds of things. And they just have different reactions of what it's like to go out at five o'clock in the morning and take the obs and. When I think of somebody asking about a minimum temperature, my brain immediately goes to that little outdoor it's a little spot. Outdoor thing.
0: Interesting, it just <laughs> does. That's fascinating. See, it's weather. People are weird, and uh, it's just weird how we have these indelible imprints on our brains about certain weather features. But that's not what I talk wanted to talk to you about. Uh, all right, so you got into television. Uh, eventually, you got out of television. Right. Then what?
1: What had happened while I was in television was Karen Kornacki took me over to the Royals for a live shot okay. because my dad was a coach and athletic director. So I grew up in sports. And Karen took me out there and I ended up meeting George Toma okay. and said to him, does weather matter to you? I work nights, uh, happy to help if I can Oh, well, you know. I didn't let my TARP crew go to dinner tonight because there's a chance of rain. And this, that, or the other thing, you know, Dick Hauser, God rest his soul, the 1985 winning manager, he wants to know this, that. So anyway, I started forecasting for George. And I was nailing, I was still at nine, I was nailing Royals rainouts within 15 minutes. So when the contract expired at nine, George took me down into his office and he opens the yellow pages and he's pointing to all these construction companies. Oh, honey, I see them on the road. They need you. Uh. I'm looking at this. I don't know concrete from asphalt. <laughs> you just have them call me. And he gave them, had me give them the phone number that was to a payphone. Anybody that ever worked at Royals back in the day would remember there is a payphone years ago right next to where the bullpen is. And right at that, what you now see is that sprint, you lift up the garage door. And he gave them that number, and he started vouching for me. And um, that was one big piece. The other was that the Small Business Development Center, I started at Rockhurst because I was on the Missouri side at the time, and they helped me get my first contract. $230 a month supplemented by unemployment.
0: (laughs) And that eventually, in time, Mm -hmm. turned into your company, right? Yes. And uh, so let's segue into that, because it is kind of a unique thing. First of all, it's a unique thing uh, locally for Kansas City. There might be a couple of others, I have no idea of uh, private weather forecasting companies. And the company is called Weather or Not. And so what does the company really do? What's the
1: goal of the company? We need to disrupt weather risk for businesses so they can beat Mother Nature to the punch. And what you're really doing is you're not selling weather information. You're helping them buy time. The weather's going to change. Mm -hmm. They know it. What they want to know in plain language, like you give plain language every night so people can understand what they should expect for their personal day or coming days or coming week. What we're doing is learning their business, be it concrete, asphalt, getting a utility ready ahead of a storm or having them stand down, airports, etc., And what we do is make sure that they have the greatest lead time possible. So even if there's only a slight potential for something that we know would be a game changer for them, we make sure that they know it. And then we let them know, since they're putting a plan B together, what time they can have something that's really highly accurate. And what they'll do is they'll decide okay, we're going to keep our guys, our union guys, for an extra hour because we know that if we do that, we're going to get eight hours in afterwards. So we'll sit on the rain in the morning. Or we're not going to bother because we don't want to pay automatic show-up times and then get nothing out of them. It depends upon what they're going to get out. We will decide how many concrete trucks we order because concrete and asphalt, You own it once it leaves the dock. You start talking about utilities and public works and airports. A lot of people are going to leave for four days, say, at Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So a couple of years ago, when we had an ICE event, we let them know You're never going to get that half-inch of ice. You're not even going to get a quarter of an inch of ice. So everybody got to go home that Wednesday, the Thanksgiving, the Friday. Nobody was coming back early. They didn't stack up, nor did they pick up the phone and call all of these other utilities around the country. That's big money.
0: So that's what I was going to circle around, too. What you're trying to do is leverage weather information for companies – So that they could either spend money or not spend money in the best possible way.
1: Right. Our job is to make sure that they increase profits, increase safety, and protect their brand. Because if you get caught a few times, it'll hurt your brand and you never want to be the lead on the news. Or more importantly, for example, there's a construction company in uh, Calgary in Edmonton, they're actually the largest, uh, they're international, but they're the largest in Canada. And they were having problems with their forecasts. And somebody who was having them build all these big skyscrapers said, hey listen, we got five on the drawing board. We've had three problems with you. You fix this or the five on the drawing board are going to your competitor. So we went up there to And this is what weather or not it's been transitioning to will always be a 24-7, 365. It's mm-hmm. how we got here. We love it. We've transitioned to showing companies how to pick which weather tool, how to use the information, how to train them on what to look at, how to make a weather decision, whether it's for building a roof, making a utility decision, etc. cetera. And how to communicate it amongst their people. And how to communicate it to their owners or their county commission. We'll even go in and help you hire a local company. That's what we did up there. We created an RFP. We managed the RFP. We did all the interviewing. RFP meaning? Request for proposal. Okay. Which means somebody says, here's a set of things that we want. It's more familiar with tangibles like a truck. So it's like... I want all of these, you know, this axle, this engine, this GPS system. And they'll put that in and then they'll send it out to the marketplace and people come back and go, okay, this is what we can give you and this is what it costs. So we managed all of that and hired a local weather company and then trained them, onboarded them, because they weren't used to doing that high-level customer service like we do in Kansas City and St. Louis.
0: Mm -hmm. So... As a company locally here in Kansas City, you hire uh, other meteorologists uh, coming typically coming out of school. I'm guessing coming out of school or within the first three years. Okay, and uh, how do you feel? We have um, how do you feel that how do you feel the edu- how do you think the education system? Is going right now, with that. Do you think it's it's as good as when you were in school? You mean are they teaching
1: them how to forecast uh, are they anymore? Te- are they
0: teaching them the right things? Would be my my question because I'm sort of outspoken in a sense that I think some programs need to do a much better job mm-hmm. of teaching. Uh, I hate to use the word kids, but kids. How to forecast the weather? Yes. Uh, What is your take on that?
1: I think it's coming back for some universities, and I'll explain that in a moment. But you're absolutely right. There's no question, Joe. There has been a lull. There was a certain period of time where year after year, we're like, for crying out loud, does anybody even know – We call it the 540 line. What it means Mm -hmm. is in the upper air, if you know where the 540 line is, you know where the 32 degree line is, so you know where the snow is. This is something I learned as an intern without having meteorology classes, and I learned that as an intern from Harvey Leonard before I even got into the business, Mm -hmm. right? It's so rudimentary. And we were shocked that people just didn't know this. And so what has happened in the last couple of years is that we have found that there are some universities who are actually creating weather labs that will produce forecasts for maybe their university and maybe even a couple of clients around them. The University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee does it. Western Kentucky University has what's called White Squirrel Weather. Yes. And don't ask me why they have White Squirrel, but yeah. trust me, they are so attached to that <laughs> White Squirrel. Uh, Pete Grigsby loves it, yeah. and so do the WKU grads that we hire. The point I'm making is it is producing some really good forecasters. And so we're looking to go after those schools – I'm actually this year going out to a variety of schools. Valpo, Valparaiso is one, uh, Western Kentucky. Um, Next month I go to Mizzou, where Mm -hmm. they've always tried to keep up on the forecasting. Um, I'll be going over to KU at the end of the month doing these career days and trying to get the professors to stress this. And they have to have a reason for it. But yes, they they went off on, uh, oh, the models will do all the work.
0: Right, and this is where the Oy. this is where the issue is.
1: Exactly, and there are um, you can talk about the models this winter. Mm-hmm. None of them have caught on to a pattern. Mm-hmm. If you can get accurate within six hours before an event this winter, you're doing well. Right. And what It leads me to what I think is a much bigger problem, much bigger problem, and that is big data. I think that big data mishandled can be a big problem, and here's why. People think data is information. They think that, oh, I've got these data analysts, and they see that this event has happened five times in 10 years. Therefore, every other year we're going to have this happen. In weather, it's not about how many times something has happened, it's what caused that to happen. It's the reanalysis. And did that storm come up I-35? Did it grab the moisture? Mm -hmm. Uh, Was there a front coming down from Canada that was so strong it pushed it just south of Kansas City? Or was this something that came off the Rockies and went from west to east, and this is where it grabbed its moisture, and this is what stalled it out? All of those particulars that I probably just put you to sleep over – are the reason that weather event happened. And in order to understand if it's going to happen again, which every good meteorologist has to do, you remember those nuances and then look at the current patterns and see, is there anything there that's aligning itself? Because that's what you do. You use your brain as a computer, especially to remember the mistakes. Mm -hmm. What was it that caused it? So that's why having meteorologists touch the forecast is so important as opposed to a model. The model is called guidance. Nobody ever tells everybody that. Mm-hmm. It's only supposed to be guidance. And the other thing is it's math. It's not meteorology. Right,
0: so just mathematical equations, spitting out essentially a result. And this is uh, part of my concern to some extent with the way the National Weather Service is sort of kind of going. They're they're taking a path right now that uh, by blending all this data together, the model data, et cetera, all together, they're like, well, the models will do a better job uh, for a day five, day six, day seven type forecast. And uh, well, maybe, but maybe not, Sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. But let's not just say, oh, well, the models say this, so we're going to do this, and remove the human element. And that's sort of kind of the road that they're going down on. And I don't like that road.
1: Well, is it a science road or is it a science excuse to talk about how they need to trim staff?
0: Yeah, I I believe it's a science excuse to be more efficient to uh, cater more to their clientele so that they focus more on the immediacy of weather over the course of two or three days, as opposed to worrying about the weather five, six, seven days down the road, um, so that as the folks our age leave, we're now bringing in folks who uh, don't quite have the experience, the know-how, and there's some very smart people, they're very smart people within the weather service, uh, but uh, I don't like that,
1: they're, I don't
0: like that direction.
1: It's what you train them to do. Right. The weather service has always had an amazing Uh, personnel group. Um, But it's what is it that you want out of these people? And what do you tell them they can do? So as a veteran like you of the weather enterprise, I overall don't like that direction. Now, let me put on my business hat. And I'm going to tell you what I tell every meteorologist in our shop when they see something and they go, why is so-and-so doing that? And we're doing this. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know how egos, young egos, will get involved in Absolutely. that. Right? And I just look at them and I say, no, what you think of is, God love you. You're keeping us in business. <laughs>
0: <laughs> see, I, and the funny thing is, is I have in in my head – I will still be of the mindset of if if I'm going to be wrong, I want to be wrong because I'm wrong.
1: Explain. I,
0: okay, so I don't want to be wrong and I and admittedly I will fall into the trap. But I don't, do. wanna, I don't want to I don't want to be wrong because Model A is so gung ho on this that you know what, Model A is totally correct, let's just do everything Model A says. Um, I don't know if I'm explaining myself correctly, but I will be more, I am more of the volition, and maybe this wouldn't work necessarily for the business that you're in. I am more of the volition of taking, hey, you know what, that is a 1045 millibar arctic high coming down into iowa next wednesday i cannot figure out why the model thinks it's going to be 45 degrees in the dead of february so cold
1: air sinks baby why isn't it bringing it in and you would be beautiful in our business because that's what we're going to tell our contractors that listen it isn't being talked about out there and for some reason, the the models think that the Arctic stops at Lamoni yeah. and you know it's not going to. So if you have to get this done in 32 degree and rising or uh, no colder than 28 for concrete unless you put in certain types of materials or 41 and rising for asphalt Whatever it is, or you need that building closed up, get it done by this Friday, and you may even have to work on Saturday. But it may not be a 100% chance that you're not working next week, but I'm going to tell you, I don't like it. And if I were you, I'd be nervous. That's the business consulting that we do.
0: And it's fascinating because now – so this is going to lead to my next question about what you just said. And it's a fight that I fight, it's a fight that every TV person fights, it's a fight that every meteorologist to some extent fights. Well, my weather app says this. How do you fight that as a company that uh, they're everywhere, everybody's got them, uh, they change every six hours, the forecast change every six hours, how do you fight that? as a company that puts out
1: weather information. Are you trying to say that smartphones didn't make everybody smarter? (laughs)
0: Apparently not.
1: (laughs) Here's, Here's this, because we'll get it as a business because you have to write us a check in order to be able to work with our meteorologists. We are a business. And so they'll go, well, I have a free app. Right. Free apps aren't free. If you went into the business first thing in the morning and you say, what's the weather going to do? And everybody pulls out the phone and the finger pointing is hitting their different app. First of all, they're all looking at different apps and they have no idea what what they're looking at, but you can't tell them that. There's too much ego in the room when you're trying Mm -hmm. to sell it. And what we'll say is, well, you were just telling me how Two weeks ago, your app said blah, 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 so you poured concrete, and it cost you, especially for a heavy constructor, it cost you $50,000 to tear that out. It puts you two days behind schedule, and the DOT or the owner of that project is livid. You followed up your entire project management for the next two weeks, because now you've got more rain coming in, and you lost a lot of money because that comes right out of your profit. Free apps aren't free. That free app just cost you $50,000. It's
0: it's an amazing um, reliance. There was an article written, I think it was in Forbes, uh, in mid-February, maybe around the 10th of February, about uh, if your weather app if it if it something like if your weather app said it didn't happen did it happen or if your weather app said it happened it didn't happen. something like that it was it was just a, a, about the over reliance because it's easy i totally get it first i totally get it it's easy information to look for and get because every phone comes with its own whatever app it might be from whatever company and uh And people are fascinated by
1: weather. It's like news. I learned it when I got to the newsroom. My first co-anchor in Chattanooga said to me, everybody wants to be the first one to tell you about. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happened with the weather apps. The key, though, is that you have to ask, what are you using it for? So here's where we go as a business the business every businesses in procter and gamble did you know billions of do, you know millions of dollars on in marketing to tell you discover the problem create the pain the pain pill sell the pain pill and what ends up happening is i simply tell people that apps are vitamins meteorologists are the pain pill nah. An app, if it's if it doesn't matter, if there's no consequence, then go for it. So what if you've got shorts on and it's 10 degrees out? So what if you ended up freezing your fanny at the soccer game because you didn't realize that the cold front was going to go through at 4 o'clock, right. not 10 o'clock at night? that's annoying. It's, it, it, it's really not that big a deal. But if you're going to tell me that you have to make a decision to put a specific type of chemical on a runway, because you can only use those chemicals on a runway, and it needs to go down 15 minutes before the liquid turns to frozen, in order for your runway to freeze dry, and for your clients, which are your airlines to have traction when they land an app isn't going to do it for you right and i'll give you another for instance this and this is why we do the weather operations audits this is what we did up in canada this is what we do in workshops with businesses around the united states so we help them evaluate the tools and where are they good and where are they not good and which ones to buy you don't have to buy it mm-hmm. from us. We're, we're just a 24-7, 365 here in Kansas and Missouri. But after 35 years of being on the other end of the phone, we know, and just like you do, we know what errors they're making, mm-hmm. and we help them create a blueprint to make a better decision. But here's here's a classic. So I was on, uh, It was uh, it was World Series Game 1, and... Won't say whose, but I think you know. So, Because we only have two teams, the Royals (laughs) and the Cardinals. And by the way, the Royals helped us get the Cardinals. And when Trevor, I went to thank him for helping us get the Cardinals, he said, just remember, blue before red and we all stay ahead. (laughs) Anyway, game one of the World Series in 15, I believe, had drizzle during the day. And it was going to be between about 10 and 18 dBZ, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. right? So what happens is... Uh, okay, what it, I apologize for the numbers. What it means, it's that baby blue stuff that you usually ignore. We don't, but you probably mm-hmm. do. And so what happened was... We were telling them all day long, and we'd been on the phone with them a dozen times. This is before 5 o'clock. Now it's 5 o'clock, and you're getting the call from MLB with everybody on both teams in the room, et cetera. And they're saying to us, you know, what's the intensity? When's it going to stop? Because it really was going to stop. And MLB really does not want to start a game in rain. So you've got to convince them that it's never going to get much worse than what they've had, et cetera. And uh, because they, they, they want to go. I mean, this is World Series game one. And what they said to us was, you know, we really do believe you because every time during the day, you said this would be the intensity. We go outside and that's exactly what it was. And this one increase, decrease. So we, we believe you. But we haven't seen anything on radar all day and my polite response was we can work with that in the off season but here's what you want to know for right now mm-hmm. dug into it and here's what i discovered major league baseball has and i've known this for a long time they have at least two national contracts i believe they have contracts with two national, international weather companies. And then they'll call us when it's Royals and they'll call us when it's Cardinals because they will say, hey, do you want to talk to your local people? I know that those two international companies have really awesome high-grade level radars just like you have in your shop, we have in our shop. And yet it turned out they were all looking at a free non-commercial radar, even though they had access to all of that. That's why, whether or not it's pivoting and has been, uh, we're talking engineering firms are talking to us for all of their clients and um, a lot of other large businesses that make operational weather decisions and have a ton of stuff, but they're still having a problem is going in and just culling through what all that is and then giving them a blueprint Mm -hmm. to going, okay, this is an easier path, this is a more reliable path, and you have to follow a process. I mean, no business has an invoice without a process. They don't have a work order without a process. They didn't buy this table or microphone without a process. But when it comes to weather... Just like you said, everybody grabs an app. There is no blueprint. There is no order of decision. Nobody is putting it through the possibility of it being wrong because their ego is tied with them saying, hey, my app says.
0: Mm-hmm. We've seen some epic fails from Major League Baseball in other places when it comes to weather. In other places, we have. In other places. All right, so uh, we're finishing up our conversation now with Sarah Croak from whether or not a local company, private weather company, uh, that helps businesses uh, try to get ahead of the game, try to save money, uh, spend money more appropriately. Uh, So as we finish this up, if there's a business out there, a contractor, a construction business, if they wanted to get a hold of your company, okay, how would they go about doing that?
1: Just give me a ring, whether or not, Inc., 913-722-3955. Give me a ring. I'm Sarah, and uh, somebody will find me because, by golly, we are there (laughs) 24-7, 365.
0: The whole time. All right, Sarah, thank you.
1: Joe, this has been a blast. I I
0: knew this would be a blast. (laughs) And, uh, what, 45 minutes? Yes.
1: Can I officially now say that I am part of Joe's Weather World?
0: Welcome to Joe's Weather World, where everybody gets the exact weather they want. Love it. There you go. Sarah, thank you. Uh, we'll do another podcast coming up in a couple of weeks. I think we're going to uh, dive back into the climate world. I'm Fox 4 meteorologist Joe Loria. Thanks once again for listening to this edition of Joe's Weather World.